0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness.
1: Just got to stay the course, man. It's, it's, it's easier said than done, but just got to stay the course. Got to have everybody on the same wavelength. Everybody's got to go out there and put everything into it, you know what I mean, throughout the week. And then Sunday's supposed to be fun, and that's the least fun day of the week right now. So
0: You're just making the game too hard. You know, it's already hard enough. Um, And we gotta stop making it harder than what it needs to be.
2: It needed to be done. It needed to be said. You know, I think for me is I'm always gonna just show the way.
0: I'm gonna show the way. Unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. Here's your boy Q.
2: And here we go, Raider Nation. I feel really special today, man. I feel like Jason Horowitz and Leaky Kennedy. Why is that, you ask? Well. I'm here at Allegiant Stadium right now. That's right. I'm in the David Hum broadcast booth. That is the home booth for the Silver and Black. That is the home booth for Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy on game day. And I'm here today excited. The next three hours, we're going to rock and roll again live from Allegiant Stadium. Had this opportunity to do this last year around the state championship games for high school football. And I am here again, not for championship games, but... High school football related. All season long, we did the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. We gave him out weeks one through ten. Today, the High School Football Coach of the Year is announced. The Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award is handed out. And the beautiful thing about it is, I would say who he is, but he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know that he's actually receiving that award today, and there's going to be a nice little ceremony here at Allegiant Stadium a little bit later on this afternoon. And so I can't go on the radio and say exactly who it is because they might be listening. And if they're listening, then they'll be like, oh, no surprise. Cool. I'm the award winner. So I don't want to be that guy, right? It's like a good movie, Damon. I don't want to be the spoiler, right? <laughs> We know I'm not a movie guy, but I don't want to be that guy. I don't want him all of a sudden driving down the road. I've already had a bad run when it comes to the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, so I don't want to miss this.
0: <laughs> I don't want to miss this. <laughs> you look like the person that will say that's not real. None of it's real. Hey, man, I've so yeah, so just, just said so. that on
2: the radio so many times. that People are like, thanks, Q. My kid was listening. But you just said it. I didn't say it. So that was mine.
0: Oh, but of with, course with, they're, with they're real. <laughs> but of course they're real, Q. Oh, okay, good. Good. I'm just saying someone, a non-believer like yourself would say that. Me, right. never. Right,
2: gotcha, gotcha. So the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award, that is real. And this afternoon it's going to be uh, announced and the, the coach is going to receive the award. And the plan is to have the coach live on the show after he finds out who he is. That's the plan. Now, we don't know how timing goes and everything. The event really starts around 4.30-ish. So as we all know, the show is over at 5-ish. so uh, we got to kind of play it by ear. Worst case scenario, I'll uh, interview him live here in the booth, but after the show, and then you'll just hear the interview on the show tomorrow. But always a blessing to be here in Allegiant Stadium. I love high school football. I know everyone's not into it as much as I am, but I really love high school football. and love the partnership we've had with the Raiders all year long, being able to talk to high school football coaches each and every week, handing out the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award, and that's something that's important to the Raiders. You know, I know we talk about the X's and O's. We talk about wins and losses all the time. But they are an organization that wants to be very much a part of the Las Vegas community. So it's more than just showing up to a Legion on Sunday and playing games or Monday through Friday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center for uh, practice, right? It's more than just that. It's about being focal points of the community. And part of that is – the high school football uh, aspect, and also just other sports as well, but they really deep deep dive into high school football, and they have a, a wall here dedicated to high school football, and I was so blessed. I mean, my blessings continue to just roll in and roll in, and I don't know what I did to earn them, but I'll take them. Uh, I was so blessed when they opened up that high school football helmet wall. I was actually able to be here and help emcee it, just because, well, they wanted someone to do it, and I have a love for high school football, so it just made sense. But to be able to be here and see that and see that dedication, and every time I'm here at Allegiant Stadium, I walk by that wall and I see it, and I realize – That's awesome. That's every helmet, high school football helmet, in the state of Nevada. So I just think that that is a really good dedication. There's certain uh, organizations. I know the Atlanta Falcons, they have one in their stadium as well. There's certain organizations around the NFL that have that dedication to high school football. And, of course, me coming from Texas for the last 10 years, Texas high school football is bigger than the Cowboys. (laughs) I mean, simple as that. Friday nights are more important than Sundays, and that's real. And anyone that's from Texas or has been there and seen Friday Night Lights, it's not a movie. It's real deal. That's that's the real life uh, thing. So, uh, being able to have that kind of effect and be able to talk to high school football coaches each and every week has been such an honor for me. And to be able to have that, uh, you know, to have that platform and bring them onto the show and and hear how much appreciation they have for the Raiders has been great. So later on this evening, the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year award will be announced, and I'm hoping and efforting to get the coach on the show today before it gets wrapped up. But we'll see how that goes. But uh, anyway, just happy to be here and. Yeah, man, now I know exactly how Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy feels because I'm sitting here right smack dab in the middle of the stadium looking down. They have some uh, stadium tours going on right now. There's about, I'd say about 20 people on the field taking pictures, standing on the logo, Uh, you know, just having a good time inside Allegiant Stadium. I see some people in the the wind club hanging out. I see some people in the end zone hanging out. It's just – it's a really cool event. It's a really cool place to come and tour. So I tell people all the time, if you're coming to town and you're coming to a game on Sunday, uh, make sure you get the stadium tour, man. Do the whole thing, right? Enjoy it to the, the, the most of your ability, right? If you get an opportunity to, to tour the stadium, tour the stadium i didn't even do the full meal deal tour we did myself the wife little sarah we did a little small minor tour uh it was an event that we came here and they said oh yeah we're doing tours as well but it was a pretty quick one these are the ones that are the real deals the one where you're seeing every bit of the stadium if you get the chance make sure you do it it's really cool looking out at the strip right now seeing all the cars go by on the 15 and you know checking out uh, all the all the casinos outside the the uh lanai windows this is This is fun, man, and just to realize I was here just a couple days ago, and, you know, when I look back and I think and I have to pitch myself and realize this is my job, this is my work, this is what I do for a living, and I get a paycheck for it? Okay, okay. Everything's going to be all right. So there you go. So that's why I'm here at Allegiant Stadium. My man, Demon Cotton's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio making everything go as he does and does a fantastic job. So I definitely appreciate him. Coming up on the show today at 2.30, Jeff Howe from The Athletic. He's going to join us. He put out a tweet yesterday, and, of course, there was a lot of conversations yesterday uh, from Ed Graney to Vinny Bonsignore to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN and also Jeff Howe from The Athletic. He covers the New England Patriots like a glove there in Boston. But he put out a tweet saying that head coach Josh McDaniels has been assured that he's going to return in 2023 and of course Mark Davis kind of gave the thumbs up to Ed Graney and Paul Gutierrez as well and said hey you know he's expecting him to you know to live out his contract and he's doing a good job and this that and the other and we all we heard that conversation a uh, pretty good detail yesterday so we're going to talk to Jeff about that the assurances that he's hearing from sources and then also just talk about coach McDaniels as a head coach right and obviously he knows him from his time in New England as a coordinator but you know just kind of pick his brain a little bit. And, and we did this when coach McDaniels was hired and we talked to many different uh, media members from Boston, but Jeff was here in the summer during training camp when, when uh, you know, the the Raiders were scrimmaging with the Patriots and he was able to see him first firsthand up close to personal. And there was so many Boston media that was here then. So just kind of want to get his thoughts now that the Raiders are, you know, through 10 weeks and nine games and they're sitting there at two and seven. What are his thoughts is Josh McDaniels, not the coordinator, but the head coach and why, have we seen so many struggles when it comes to guys that leave New England and leave that Belichick tree not find success as head coaches outside of that? So we'll, we'll deep dive into that with Jeff Howe coming up at 2.30. I'm excited about that conversation. At 3 o'clock, John McClain, Gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. He joins us each and every Tuesday. We'll do all things NFL. And what do you know about that, Damon? What do you know about the Eagles dropping to Washington on Monday Night Football to close out uh, week 10 of the NFL season?
0: I'm just going to say the way the game ended, What's the game coming to, man?
2: Uh, you talking about the? Uh, <laughs> you talking about the penalty on uh, Taylor Heineke? Yes. <laughs> or t- the the penalty on Brand- the Brandon Graham? Like, yeah. got the
0: penalty. Like, what what are we doing?
2: Look, I want to say the same thing, but Brandon Graham definitely took about three or four steps, and I mean, I know he didn't hit him hard, and you know, it's it's really, I don't even want to call it a soft penalty, but it's it's pretty much a soft penalty, but. I guess by the letter of the law, it was a penalty. And so, look, I don't put that as the reason why the Eagles lost. They had four turnovers in that game, and they just didn't look like a very good team that night. And And that's how it is in the NFL. You can go 8-0, and 9-0, whatever the case may be, and then all of a sudden you can have one massive slip-up, and they did. And so now you look around the, the landscape of the NFL and you wonder, well, how good are the Eagles? You know, Are they going to have another bad game like that where they turned the ball over? That was the first time all season they were trailing in the second half. Right? I mean, think about that. They've played really good ball, and I I think they'll be fine. I think they'll bounce back, but it leaves a crack in the in, in the armor, man. It leaves a little bit of uh, the open door for other teams to come in and say, you know what, okay, we could beat that team as well. That was a very physical game, strong run game by, the, by Washington, and they got it done. Taylor Heineke was playing with house money and
0: came away with a dub. Yeah, a tough divisional opponent, yes, but I don't think – other teams, you can't scheme up, well, if we just commit them to turn, to turn the ball over four four times, like right. double their their no, season average. you can't count average. on that, yeah. Yeah, so you
2: never count on that.
0: I, yeah, there, maybe there's going to be some tape on, hey, this will might maybe work on the Eagles. But you can't plan for a guy catching the ball, getting up and running, and just bobbling it right out of his hands as right. he's already in the red zone. Or it's just, ah, man, if he would have just stayed down. right. Obviously, but who's thinking that you're trying to score a touchdown? There were just so many like plays that were just like, is that really going to happen on a weekly well, basis? Well, and I'll
2: say this: the one thing that I really was, I wasn't upset about. I'm not going to get upset about anything, but what I really did not like was um, the fumble that was caused late in the game, and and um, and Washington had a whole face, hold the uh, Dallas Goddard's face mask had the whole mm-hmm. thing, and that's not reviewable, right? Turnovers are reviewable, but the face mask that was clearly a 15-yard penalty. That's not reviewable. And that was, I mean, that was really rough. And now Dallas Goddard has a shoulder injury. Not saying that that was 100% because of the, of the face mask tug, but I mean, that was a clear penalty that's not reviewable. so it's just, it's so funny when you look at the league. And we'll ask John about this at 3 o'clock. It's so funny that you could have certain things that are reviewable and other things that aren't reviewable. And I think if you're looking at a turnover and you see a 15 yard penalty or what should be a 15 yard penalty with a guy just, I mean, he had nothing but face mask then you should be able to say, yeah, that was a fumble, but that was a penalty, right? I mean, it's all the same play, so I I get it, you know, and it's kind of – you know, looking at what's what is and what isn't, and you know, you're asking the officials to be super perfect, and there's always going to be mistakes being made. But it just it just seems like it was a, it was a, a weird way that it all shook out. So we'll ask John all things NFL at, at uh, three o'clock, including his thoughts on Jeff Saturday and the Colts picking up a victory over the Raiders right here in this stadium on Sunday at four o'clock. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network, who sits in this booth every Sunday or every home game with Jason Horowitz, he'll join the show. And I actually had an opportunity to talk with Lincoln earlier today. Myself, JT The Brick. We're at uh, Intermountain, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and we did our Raiders Roundtable that we do every Tuesday uh, with the Raiders and so that actually is out right now and available but as I tell you every week, don't listen to it till 5 or don't check it out till 5 o'clock. It's available on YouTube. It's available by audio. It'll be actually playing after this show, Unnecessary Roughness. It'll come on immediately afterwards so you can stick around and listen to what myself and JT and Lincoln had to say recapping the game on Sunday. I'm looking forward to the Denver Broncos uh, this upcoming Sunday as the Raiders are on the road for the next couple weeks. Uh, so you can listen to that but i got to talk to lincoln and as you can imagine Demond, you know lincoln really well man he's he's a guy who wants to see wins and uh you could tell he's been frustrated the last few weeks with the outcome of what the raiders have been doing uh he was definitely frustrated by what he saw on sunday from the silver and black and just the lack of execution it's something we talk about all the time lack of execution it was there again
0: yeah, you could hear it in his voice on that specific call that I used in the open yesterday. Yeah. Just fall on the ball. Just fall on the, Just ball. Fall on the ball. Like right. that's all he needed to say.
2: Right. And you can't you know, the thing about it is and I talked about it in pretty good detail yesterday on the show. You that's you want to make sure that they fall on the ball and they pick up the ball and, and you know that's a huge play. But you really can't fault a guy for trying to to think hey I can go and score but you've got to know the you've got to know the situation you know how they say read the room you got to be able to understand like okay there's a guy breathing down my neck let me make sure I secure the ball first and then take off to the house if at all possible but in that situation you've got to secure the ball and so uh, I don't blame Darian Butler for the effort because the effort was outstanding it's just the execution didn't go the way that he wanted and he wasn't able to come up with the ball and then the very next play boom uh, touchdown for the Colts. And so, uh, you know how things go, man. It's it's, it's rough out there. So uh, that's that's uh, our conversation we'll have with Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 4 o'clock. We talk to him each and every Tuesday and Thursday. And then at 4.30, as I mentioned before, I'm hoping to have the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the, the Year sitting right here in the booth next to me talking, or sometime after 4.30. We're going to try to get to that, but I can't say who it is <laughs> because I'd spoil the surprise, so I won't. But at 4.30, there is a potential guest going to be joining us here on the show. So as you can tell, we're locked and loaded. we got a lot to get to. We still have some sound from the uh, Raiders locker room from Sunday. Want to make sure we get all that in because, well, by Wednesday, it's going to be old and we're going to start turning the page to the Denver Broncos. So there you go. Jeff Howe will join us at 2.30, John McClain at 3, Lincoln Kennedy at 4 o'clock, and then a special guest, hopefully, potentially, coming up at 4.30. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive.
3: The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever.
2: So we know that the Raiders are sitting there at 2-7. and seven. I mean, we don't have to go over the record. We know what it is right now. We know it's evaluation season. And I've asked this question before, and, you know, I want to continue to ask the question because I think that at this point of the season we know that there's not going to be a, a deep playoff run. You know that they have eight more left. They got two on the road. They have Denver and then follow it up with Seattle. I really want to know, Raider Nation, I want to know what we are all collectively looking for. Right. I mean, because I'm going to be tuned in and locked into every single game. And I know a lot of Raider Nation right now on Tuesday is angry and said, I'm not watching the games anymore. I'm not giving them a dime of my money. I'm not doing it. And that's fine. If that's what you choose to do, that's fine. No problem. But I know on Sunday when that game comes on, and it's ready for kickoff. You'll be like, well, let me just check in and see what they're what they're going to be doing. So I'm looking at the roster. I'm looking at the players. I know the guys like Waller and Renfro are out. I know what Devontae Adams could bring to the table. I know who Derek Carr is. I probably would like to see Derek Carr take his game from where it's at right now and probably step it up another level. Like that passion and emotion that he showed at the podium on Sunday, one, I, I said it multiple times I don't have any problem with it, but two, I'd like to probably see that emotion and passion on the sidelines too. That's one thing that I'd like to see moving forward from the leader of the offense is Derek Carr. I'd like to see that passion and emotion. I'd like to see someone else fired up with that passion and emotion as well. But outside of that, I mean, what players or, or, or just what in general are you looking for from this team? And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you go back to preseason and training camp when we were seeing a whole lot of things that we liked, right? What did we see a lot in the preseason? No turnovers, very little penalties. The ball, the the play call was getting into the quarterback really quickly, right? I mean, I don't know how many times Demond I talked about that on the show. Man, look, there's 17 seconds left on the play clock, and they're already snapping the ball. Stuff like that. I just, I don't, I don't expect these guys to like, like Mark Davis said, Rome wasn't built overnight. I'm not asking you to build Rome overnight, right? I'm just not. That's not obviously going to happen. I'm not expecting you to go to win the next eight games and and challenge for a, a playoff spot. I'm not asking that either. But I'm asking for something that I feel like is pretty basic, right? No mental errors. No pre-snap penalties, right? And this sounds like what we talked about in the preseason, in training camp, when head coach Josh McDaniels, how many days did we talk about it? I think our show led it off, Damon, talking about uh, don't beat yourself, right? We're not going to be the team that's going to beat ourselves. We're going to make the other team actually beat us. And we got excited. I know I got excited because for years I've seen the Raiders have pre-snap penalties, make dumb mistakes, hit a quarterback out of bounds, or do something that allows a team not fall on a fumble, allowing a guy to get another opportunity, scores a touchdown. I've seen them beat themselves for years on top of years. So I was super excited that, hey, this is going to be a disciplined team. This is going to be a well-oiled machine. And if they lose games, which is fine because you're going to lose games in the NFL, it's because the other team was just better. If you look at the seven losses that the Raiders have had, how many teams were really better? Right? I mean, think about it. How Man, many teams were point. really better? And, again, you are what your record is, so I'm not trying to make excuses. But, look, the Jaguars aren't a better team. The Colts were a better team on Sunday. But, honestly, I don't even think they were a better team. Right? Their offensive line came in in shambles, and Matt Ryan only got sacked once. <laughs> so that was you got to give them credit for that. I'll, so I'll even eliminate them. I'll give them credit for that. But the Jaguars, there's no way that they're a better team than the Raiders. And when I say better, I mean more talented. Again, going back to the record. But other games. You know, the Saints blew them out, and I question if the Saints are even very good. I don't think the Saints are very good, but they blew them out. So I'll give them that. But look at all these one-score games that they lost. They're 0-6 in one-score lost games. Those teams that they lost to, man, they're not not that good. And obviously that, you know, someone's going to say, well, Q, if they're not that good, then the Raiders suck. Okay, that's fine. Someone will get me on a technicality, but... Honestly, I just want to see I just want to get back to seeing what we thought we were gonna see. You know, I wanna see and we haven't seen it at all this year during the regular season. We only saw it during preseason training camp. I wanna see the, the the play call get in and them look comfortable at the line of scrimmage. You know, don't go helter skelter and, and all of a sudden get down to three, two, one. There's nothing more I hate. I promise you, there's nothing more than I hate than sitting in the press box or sitting at home watching the game and see Derek Carr clapping his hand because it's like three, two, one seconds, right? I mean, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, damn it, snap the ball, snap the ball, snap the ball. I want to see that play call get in in some kind of rhythm, like some kind of sense of urgency. And that's why when they go a little bit up-tempo, it's not fast, but when they go a little bit up-tempo, I like that because I feel like that they have a clue what they're doing. So I I just want to see that, I mean, the basics and done correctly. You know, you can't have false starts. You can't have a holding penalty away from the play that doesn't even matter. You know, I mentioned it on Monday's show. Tripping was called how many times during the game on Sunday? I haven't heard tripping called that many times. I've seen tripping that wasn't called. (laughs) Right? I've seen Tom Brady trip guys multiple times and never get called. I just, uh, you know, I just, the, the, the dumb stuff, the stuff that is unnecessary is the stuff I want to see eliminated. I just want to start seeing a team that looks like it has some kind of rhyme or reason to it and some kind of confidence about what they're doing. The worst thing in radio ever, and I I can only talk about radio because that's all I know, is hearing somebody on the radio, it sounds like they have no confidence in what the hell they're doing. Well, when I look down on the football field sometimes, I see a team that it feels like they have no confidence in what the hell they're doing. I want to see that confident team go back out there and operate and have a drive or two or, you you know, and go out there with a purpose. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy Joe in San Antonio. How's the Riverwalk? What's on your mind, Joe? Hey, thanks for
1: having me on. I called yesterday and I was I was kind of a little irate with the situation, but today it's let, – let, let's turn the page and move forward. And I think the only thing left to to kind of analyze, right, is to, to just get a win, figure out how to get a win. So analyzing the team, I want to see Mumford in there at right tackle. Let's see what we okay. really have. in And we know we have an Illuminor. There was some kind of so, – some some liking of Mumford, but mm-hmm. he's a rookie. Let's develop him a little bit more. I like what you mentioned as far as a, operate with a quicker pace and – and, and just be faster on the ball. Uh, maybe get Sue's in there. Get, get Sue's and, and and split some carries with Josh Jacobs. I mean,
2: oh, okay, mm-hmm. we
1: know what Josh Jacobs can deliver, right? Right. But we don't know if he's going to be back, and what, if we're going to pay him. So uh, we've invested a lot of draft picks with uh, with that running back core. So maybe let's start seeing some diversity there, just to just to get something different out on the field and on the defense. Uh, well, I mean, Masterson, Sam Webb. Uh, Let's get Farrell and Butler back in. I guess it was a disciplinary thing, but yeah. but, we, but these guys got to get some more snaps, and that's what I want to see.
2: Hey, great great call, great call, Joe. Definitely appreciate you, my man. And, yeah, you know what? I'm glad you brought up Sam Webb, and that's a guy that I mentioned to Lincoln Kennedy as well. I, I like, and I know a couple people texted us in yesterday at 69187, keyword R&R, and talked about Sam Webb. I like him, and I know it's a small sample size of what we saw, but the opportunities he had to make plays on Sunday, he made them right? I mean, he really did. He looks like and sounded like, and we actually have a little bit of locker room sound from him uh, that we'll play before the show's over. He absolutely sounds like he's got the confidence and looks like he could play the part. Is he, is he going to have moments where he's going to get beat? Sure. Is there going to be moments where he might be like Mark McMillan, how he explained to us uh, that he got he got beat really bad by the Cowboys and he was sitting on the on the sideline and or sitting on the bench and he was crying because he was getting beat? Is he going to have bad days like that? Probably. But you know what? If that could be someone that you could develop that would be a good thing. Same thing with Masterson and Butler. I don't know what they're gonna be, but if they could be some guys that the Raiders could develop and be some players that fit in with what Patrick Graham wants, that's a plus. Are they good? Does that mean they're gonna be starters and, and the great players? No, but even if they're just depth, but they're good depth, it's better than what they got right now. Juan the Smasher, you're up next. What's on your mind, brother? Welcome to the show. What's well, up, Q? What's going on? Hey man, I'm chilling, man.
1: Man, no, that's right. <laughs> Hey Q, you, yeah. you want to know what I want to see this Sunday? Oh, yep. I want to see you. I want to see this Raider team come out. with a fire, burning where the sun don't shine. They come out there and just <laughs> start hitting fools. All these cats over here with their head down, with no confidence. Like you said, man, these we just got to hit somebody. They got to. They got to win. It's, it's all right. The season's over. Who cares? But you know what? We we got them donkeys left. We got to smash those fools. Hit them in the mouth. Yo, Derek Clark, keep your head up. All these cats that let you down. It's time to catch those boost baits too. You know what, Carr? Don't forget about those guys and these donkeys. As long as we beat the donkeys, Chargers, and Chiefs, that'll make my year. And you guys have a good day. And thank you for everything you do, Q. You too, DeMond. You guys stay up.
2: Hey, great call, Juan. We appreciate you. And you know what? JT mentioned that earlier today on the Raider Roundtable. Not necessarily, you know, the way you said it, but I know what you mean. And he said the physicality. He wants to see a Raiders team go out there and be physical, right? And, And why not? You know you got some guys that can, can, can lower the boom, some guys that can bring the heat. You know, go out there and be a physical team. What we saw on uh, Monday Night Football from Washington, how they beat Philadelphia, you know what they were? They were the more physical team at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. Offensive line, defensive line, their running game, they were just more physical. Had a sense of nasty to them. I don't know who it is who's going to lead the charge. I don't know who it is who needs to step up. But offensively and defensively, especially in the trenches, I would love to see this Raiders team be More physical. Juan, great call, my man. I do appreciate you. You can keep those texts coming at 69187, keyword R&R. We know they've got eight games left. What is it or who is it that you're looking for? What do you want to see? It's not a playoff run. It's not a Super Bowl run. But what do you want to see from this team to give yourself some hope that there's something there, if not this year, it's going to be in the future? Obviously, next year. Not trying to – Plan out multiple years down the road, talking about you know just what they have to plan and look forward to. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. We're at Allegiant Stadium today. Uh, the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year award is going to be handed out. Hopefully, we'll get that coach at some point in the show today. But coming up next, Jeff Howe from the Athletic. He's there in Boston. He'll join us to talk all things Coach McDaniel's. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.
3: That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers. Home of the Chevy Silverado. The strongest, most advanced Silverado
2: ever.
0: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio.
2: And here we are at Allegiant Stadium. This afternoon, later on this afternoon, the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award will be announced. So I'm excited to be here for that. That'll come up probably in the 4 o'clock, maybe 5 o'clock hour. But right now, want to turn our attention to Jeff Howe from The Athletic. Covers the Patriots and all the sports there in Boston. Does a fantastic job for The Athletic. And Jeff, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. And yesterday you put out a tweet. Head coach Josh McDaniels has been given assurances by ownership that he will return to coach in the Raiders in 2023, according to a team source. So, Jeff, I uh, wanted to ask you about that, and just Coach McDaniels in general from uh, your team sources, man. I mean, how how firm was that uh, assurance in 2023, given the climate of the team at two and seven right now? I
3: w- I wouldn't have gone with something like that unless I totally believed that in its authenticity. So, uh, this has been an approach that Mark Davis has wanted to take as a patient, long range view since they. Since he hired Dave Ziggler and Josh McDaniels, and this is they want to build something. They want it to. They don't want another one and done or a two and done type of situation. Uh, something that you know just totally stunts the growth of a franchise. Mm-hmm. So when you bring in two guys who are so familiar with each other in Ziggler and McDaniels, it's with that long term plan in mind. And I know I, I've certainly seen in, on Twitter over the last twenty four <laughs> hours, yeah. there's a lot of frustration uh, among Raider fans, and I get that but dumping McDaniels what, nine games in or 17 games into his tenure as Raiders head coach uh, would stunt the development of this organization.
2: No, it really would, and I've said that multiple times. You just can't keep recycling through coaches, recycling through coaches, recycling through coaches. So I wanted to ask you from a distance. I mean, you know Coach McDaniels. You saw him as a coordinator there in New England. How surprised are you at the slow start that the Raiders have gotten off to sitting there at 2-7? and seven?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely surprised, and, and I went out there and I, I visited with those guys in the summer when I was doing my training camp tour, and, and I still, I fully have bought into what that message is. You know, they they really broke it down; they made it a lot simpler. I, I, there's a I understand why there's a stigma on McDaniel's from his time in Denver, but he's just such a totally different guy. Uh, he's a different person he's a different coach he's in a different phase of life he understands uh his responsibilities as a head coach right now a whole lot better than he did so you know there, there's that part of it and i still think that you know he's got the tools to be a successful head coach the other side is and i was guilty of this too you know i, I thought the raiders had a chance to be a playoff team this year i, I thought there was a pretty good chance you know with the caveat that yet the AFC West was supposed to be a whole lot more competitive and you didn't really know which one of those teams wasn't going to maybe live up to the expectations. And now all of a sudden two of them haven't. But I just think like when I was talking to, you know, the Raiders people out there back in, I think it was July. Yeah. I, I mentioned the aggressive off season that they had and-, and they said, Hey, I understand why you would call it an aggressive off season. They went and they, they made the big trade for Devontae Adams. They had long-term contract extensions with some of their core players. On the surface, when you're a brand-new regime, that is going to look aggressive. But beyond that, beyond the Devontae Adams addition, you know, this is a team that really gave out a lot of minimal-level contracts mm-hmm. as they were looking to retool the roster. You knew that there were going to be some holes on the back end of the defense, and really, as it comes down to it, the entire defense has has been underwhelming. And then you knew that there was going to be an issue on the offensive line. We've seen whether it's the Rams or the Patriots or the Raiders—you know, teams that are not getting good, consistent offensive line play are not playing consistent football, not playing winning football. Uh, So I think we kind of looked at the way the Raiders finished last year, and again, this is—I'm not making excuses for the Raiders. Nobody wants to be two and seven down there. Believe me, right? But I think we kind of thought that they were going to be better than they would be. Just kind of banking on that that run, that the improbable run that they had at the end of the
2: last season. Talking right now with Jeff Howell from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You know, I'm glad you mentioned being here in July because I was one of those that was out there for training camp and the scrimmages that you were at with the Patriots and, and the Raiders. And I came away from it thinking, you know what, this Raider team looks pretty good. And we saw a preseason game. You can't take a lot away from that. But I felt like, you know what, this team looks pretty good. They have holes, but they look pretty good. What was your biggest takeaway from what you saw from the Raiders during those those scrimmages and, and preseason game?
3: Uh, I, I wasn't at those um, I wasn't at the joint practices I was okay. at some of the earlier ones when they were just practicing with themselves but you know you could see Devonte Adams making plays and I know you know following along with uh, some of my friends that still cover the Patriots uh, clearly it sounded like the Raiders were the better team you know again kind of taking a big step backward the Patriots started extremely slow especially on defense so I think that was a Raiders offense that just had more experience they were practicing in their environment. You know, they really had the upper hand against the Patriots. Now, I mean, 2-7, <laughs> and seven, it, it, it certainly hasn't lived up to that, and the Patriots have gone in one direction. Not that they've solved everything by any stretch of the imagination, but the Raiders, uh, they, they just again, they haven't lived up to what I think the
2: expectations were. No doubt about it. Again, Jeff Howell's our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, damon has got one for you.
0: When you Josh McDaniels has this playbook, a lot of the players on the Raiders team are saying, "Hey, how expansive it is! How not hard, but difficult it is to learn." They've compared it to calculus or learning a different <laughs> language. For those different those transition years with the Patriots, when it's from Cam Newton to Mac Jones, did those players also have that same difficulty with the with the Josh McDaniels playbook?
3: Yeah, uh, and actually, you know, there's I could I could write a book on on that question. Uh, <laughs> so I'll try to be as concise as possible. You know present day, the Patriots, without McDaniels, they've kind of redid their offense uh, this offseason. they they changed the terminology. They wanted it to be more like word association as opposed to just you know going off of memory and you know words that didn't necessarily mean anything. Another part of that is because McDaniels and Tom Brady were so in sync that that playbook and the the lingo and the language and everything, like knowing what you had to do before the snap and then how it could change after the snap. You know, that was stuff that if you were, uh, even if you were a talented young receiver, if you were an accomplished veteran, I mean, I remember Joey Galloway coming in with tons of experience back in 2009 and just having no clue what to do. Uh, it just, it, it was a tough system for a lot of different people to learn. And then, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there was def- there was another good point. I swear I had another good point that I was going to make. <laughs> like there's just, there's so much that goes into that question. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly fair to say, like, and I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not there every day. I don't know what the inner workings of the offense look like right now and how difficult it has been for those guys to pick up. Uh, But I could certainly see that there would be an element to that. Uh, You know know what? I know the the, the other one I was thinking. So, uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez come in in 2010, two guys who were on the football field extremely talented players, uh, high-ish draft picks. And it took Gronk, like, 10 games to get himself onto the field because he just couldn't pick up uh, the playbook. He couldn't understand the system. Aaron Hernandez had sort of like a quicker start, but kind of faded down the stretch. And the reason why, you know, looking back, I remember talking to coaches from that 2010 team who were saying, yeah, we we knew these guys were extremely talented, and if you just put them out there and you gave them the simple assignments, they could go, they could get them, they could, they could, you know, hit the ground running and be really successful right off the bat. But it was like... You were dropping these guys, they equated it to dropping these guys in the middle of a different country that speaks a different language, and, you know, maybe you know, you can you can get yourself around, but you can't necessarily talk to the other people in the streets to find out where you're supposed to go, because you just, you truly can't understand the lingo uh, with that playbook, and that was kind of like what they were equating it to, so I don't know. Because, again, he doesn't have Tom Brady in Vegas right now, and, and there's a lot, obviously, so many new players that he's dealing with. Like, I, don't, I couldn't say that it's as advanced uh, as it and actually, I shouldn't say – so back it up. Joshua Daniels wasn't even in New England in 2010, but it was the same offense. Right. So, again, I don't want everybody like, listening to this and being like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. But it was like a lot of the same system. I mean, even now, like, I've talked to people who have said that the Patriots playbook, it's like – it's so big that, you know, you basically couldn't even carry it around because they've got – archives that are 22 years old. So that's kind of how complicated and complex this whole system is. And again, I just I don't know how much of that he has carried to Vegas and forced upon this new team.
0: And then also when it comes to this playbook, I remember Devontae Adams, he said on the Pivot podcast, and this was in training camp, he said we couldn't just bring someone off the street if they're not the, like, the smartest guy you know, because the playbook is just that hard. So when it comes to injuries in the past, how, were that, how did that affect the Patriots' offense when key starters went down on the offensive side?
3: Yeah, they struggled. I mean, you could see it with Brady. Uh, there, there were times, a lot of times, when he just – I mean, I could think of the gronk – situations in particular, like if they lost Gronk or whether it was for a half or several games or the duration of the season, if they didn't have a Martellus Bennett or or I guess early in Gronk's years when Hernandez was on the team, like if their tight end depth wasn't where it needed to be, like the Scott Chandlers of the world, guys who just couldn't come in and, and contribute the way that you would need it. Not that anybody would come in and be Gronk, but you needed somebody to be serviceable. I, I can't even tell you how many times that you would watch a play and you'd have a backup tight end out there and you would watch defenses just straight up ignore those guys because they knew that Tom Brady wasn't going to throw it to that backup tight end. You know, some of that stuff would happen with some of these young wide receivers, you know, 2013 with like the Aaron Dawson, Josh Boyce draft, like those guys didn't, didn't come out as fast as Brady wanted them to. And he kind of wrote those guys off for lack of a better term. So it was, And it was because they just couldn't get with the system and they couldn't learn it at the same pace as Brady. Now, that was also a criticism of Brady out here to an extent. There's only so much you can criticize that guy. But again, (laughs) a lot of it just goes back to what that working relationship was between Brady and McDaniels and why that system was so advanced uh, in the later years together.
2: Jeff Howell is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. And not that I'm doubting these guys at all, in Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. I am not. But it always is the conversation of once the coordinators get from underneath Bill Belichick, they struggle, right? And, of course, I mean, we've seen plenty of evidence of that. Do you know why that is? Why is it such a struggle once you get from underneath that Belichick tree?
3: Uh, there are – that's another one where, like, you know, we could talk for hours about this because <laughs> – Everybody kind of wants to point toward like the, the one common denominator, the Belichick thing. Right. And are guys trying to be too much like Belichick? Yeah, that's been true in some instances. And then there are other instances when guys go to just a bad situation. I mean, Eric Mangini, like, what was he realistically going to do in Cleveland? Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, even with the Jets at uh, Cornell in Cleveland or Patricia with the Lions. Like, those are teams that have historically had a hard time winning. Right. Now, those yep. guys had their faults too. Uh, the other side of it, you know, Bill O'Brien uh, did really well with Houston for a handful of years, and then he got too much control, and it backfired. Like, he just kind of lost his way and, and kind of fell off there. With McDaniels, you know, I talked to Josh about this back in, in July again, and it was, I, I asked him that question. I'm like, alright, there's like this stigma. You know, you guys go to different places, you try to be too much like Belichick, is that accurate? And Josh put it in a way that I hadn't fully comprehended until I heard it straight from him. He's like, look, you know, I, I came into this league as a 23 year old. I got that Denver job as a 32 year old. So everything that he had known from a professional coaching standpoint was from Bill Belichick. So when there was adversity or, you know, if there was, a, you know, something on defense or special teams that maybe he should have delegated to his assistants. He just stepped in and said, Larry, you know, I saw Bill do this. I'm going to try to handle it this way because this is just the only way I know. It wasn't that he was trying to be Bill Belichick. It was that he he watched a guy do it a particular way for the better part of 10 years. So it's like, you know, anytime somebody gets stressed or faces adversity, you're going to just naturally rely on the things that you've known and seen to work from somebody, a mentor, And that kind of got him into some trouble. So like you talk about the delegation, he's got a staff now with the Raiders that he's a whole lot more familiar with than the group that he was able to bring in in Denver those first couple of years. So we trust these guys if there's an issue. Hey, I trust this staff to fix it more than he did or more than he allowed himself to in Denver. Now, again, it hasn't translated to wins the way that they thought they would, but uh, again, I, I still believe that this is a guy who is capable of handling that process as long as the patient continues to be on his side.
0: All right, the patience is on his side, and we keep hearing people say, hey, Josh McDaniel, once he gets his guys in, and I know that people are tired of hearing about Patriots West and the mm-hmm. Patriots way, but in New England, was that also a common theme where, hey, we need a, we need the right guys? It's not about, hey, is someone talented or not, but we need the right players to fit into our system because that's what it seems like we're getting a lot of here in Vegas is that they need the right guys for Josh McDaniel's system.
3: No, it's a it's a really good question, and you know I'll start off with I remember Belichick saying, you know this was like probably ten plus years ago, maybe even fifteen years ago, when he was talking about like this the one and done or the two and done coaching thing that kind of really caught a lot of steam uh, since you know in the two thousands, and he equated it to his own situation. You know he was five and eleven in two thousand with the Patriots, lost his first two games, so he lost thirteen of his first eighteen with the Patriots, and Robert Kraft went against conventional wisdom to bring in Bill Belichick. He got pressured from the league not to bring him in. He got pressured from TV executives who were like, look at how boring this guy is in his press conferences. He's not marketable. The craft wanted to stick with him. And, and, you know, ultimately things turned around a whole hell of a lot faster (laughs) in 2001 than anybody could have ever imagined. But, you know, spin it forward, Belichick candidly said he didn't have his system fully in place in New England until 2003. So that's going into his fourth season. Now, the reality, which I think is unfortunate in a lot of cases, is a lot of coaches don't get till their fourth season anymore. So you have to show signs of progress by this by year two and by year three. Or again, you kind of start this cycle over. What you really don't want to have happen is like a Bears situation. You know, they're not the only ones who've done this, but like mm-hmm. you get a all of a sudden you got a GM and then it's staggered with a new coach and then. You hire the coach and maybe the owner likes the coach more than the previous GM and then he fires the GM and then you just start pairing the wrong people together and then next next thing you know, you're in like a twelve to fifteen year vortex and you can't get better than eight and eight. So like those that's like the worst possible case scenario. Now in terms of like what types of players he needs, it doesn't necessarily need to be Bill Belichick types of players, but you know, the, the one thing that Belichick has been knocked on is he's passed on maybe some high-end talent in the draft, guys that you knew would could be bona fide superstars, and, and gotten a less sexy name, and he's gotten criticized in draft night, and then, you know, like a Logan Mankins, all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and becomes an all-pro. You know, he needs people who are going to be willing to, to do the types of, like, Belichick will have a specific vision for a guy,
1: and, you know, if it's...
3: <laughs> It might be a quote-unquote foreign you know, nickel type of back when he was an outside corner in college, and you want that number one corner, but, you know, Belichick just has, like a Deron Harmon that you got. You know, Deron Harmon, was, he was a highly criticized draft pick in 2013 with Patriots, and he was a really good third safety for a good chunk of his career in New England. So, you know, just like having that sort of vision, I don't think that Josh is trying to go out there and get a whole lot of New England retreads But I think he's going to have some of those principles in place where he's going to have a vision for how he wants to use guys, and he just needs the time to acquire
2: them. I love it. I love it. We live in a microwave society is what I like to call it, instant gratification. Pop it in, 20 seconds, and boom, you're good to go, right? So that's what everyone (laughs) wants. They want that microwave effect. Well, Jeff, fantastic stuff. Really great breakdowns this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. What do you got coming out on The Athletic that we should be on the lookout for?
3: Uh, I'm actually right now in the middle of a, a study on one-and-done coaches and why it's more often, why it's more often than not, uh, a, not a good recipe for a team. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't gotten all the way through it. I'd hit you with some numbers, but uh, it's some interesting stuff.
2: No, that's awesome. That is cool. I'm going to definitely check that out. Uh, again, man, we definitely appreciate you for all the breakdowns this afternoon. Fantastic stuff. Thanks so much, and uh, I'll be checking out your article. We'll talk soon.
3: All right, appreciate you guys. Have a good night. All
2: right, you too, brother. There he goes, Jeff Howe from the Athletic. That was the icing on the cake right there, DeMond. It doesn't get any better than that. We go through 20 minutes of talking about a coach that ain't going nowhere, and then, hey, what are you working on? One and done coaches. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting you ask. You couldn't have wrote that script any better. I'm telling you, you couldn't have wrote that any better. That was fantastic. But uh, I thought that was a great breakdown as well from Jeff Howe from The Athletic. So make sure uh, you follow him on Twitter at Jeff P. Howe. That's Jeff P H O W E. And the reason I spell that out is because I actually have a guy that I used to talk to every single week when I was in Central Texas named Jeff Howe. But he covers UT. He covers the Texas Longhorns. And so it's not the same Jeff Howe. So it's so funny on my phone. I have both of their names and they're obviously the same name. So sometimes it messes me up. So I accidentally texted the other Jeff Howe yesterday uh, when I was trying to get a hold of this Jeff Howe. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Before I press send, I realized, let me just check this number again. And yeah, that 254 area code, let me know. He ain't from Boston.
0: See, Bill Belichick's (laughs) mistake could happen to anybody. Yeah, there you go. There
2: you go. There it is. Nice. That's a nice little capper right there. 2.49 is the time. Great stuff again from Jeff Howe from The Athletic. I'm here at Allegiant Stadium. The Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award will be announced a little bit later right on this very field that I'm staring at. Of course, that is Allegiant Stadium. We'll come back, close out hour number one. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.
0: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
2: Here at Allegiant Stadium, David Home broadcast booth is where I'm at, staring at the 50-yard line, the big Raiders symbol in the middle of the field. Allegiant Stadium Tours is going on right now. The Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award will be announced a little bit later on this afternoon. Just had a great conversation with Jeff Howe from The Athletic talking about Coach McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and the plan moving forward and what he believes is going on. And, and if Coach McDaniels is going to have an opportunity to be a really good coach here with the silver and black, of course, only coached up nine games. Have a couple of text messages in response to that interview at 69187, keyword RNR. This one's from the 707. I think the reason why Belichick's assistants don't do well is because the players on the new team want the results the Patriots got, but they don't want to put in the work to learn the complicated system. And I think that's happening now with the Raiders. That's a text from the 707. And, DeMond, going back to your uh, question that you asked Jeff about that complicated system, it was really eye-opening to me when he's talking about putting Gronk and Hernandez Hernandez into another country and them not knowing the language and just trying to go out there and do it. I mean, if Gronk not being able to get on the field for 10 games, that tells you a lot.
0: Yeah, that also tells you a lot. And also when Gronk was more established in that system, when he would be injured and how the offense would almost fall apart or those backup tight ends, opposing defenses would know, hey, man, they not about to do nothing. Right. And then the Raiders. Who's a big part of their offense that's been missing over a lot of this season? Not his fault. Injuries happen. But Darren Waller. Yep. And you can see those parallels. I know people don't want to hear it because everything's an excuse. But sometimes it's just an explanation. It's the truth.
2: Right. You know, and Foster's been doing everything he can. I do appreciate the efforts from Foster. But he'll tell you he's not Darren Waller. And Darren Waller, not in this offense, is major right? I mean, it just, it really is. And there's a reason why they signed him to a contract extension. It wasn't because they wanted to trade him to Green Bay. They signed him to a contract extension because they wanted him to be a big part of this team moving forward. Got a text from our friend Tom at 69187 keyword r and Arrogance Q. Can't be a dictator coach. Only worked with Bill Belichick recently. They're 18th and first quarter scoring with Adams, Jacobs, Foster, and a healthy Renfro for five weeks. That's ridiculous. And um, I agree. I agree with, uh, you know, can't be a dictator coach. And I'm I'm not, not going to sit there and go on the on limb and say that he's a dictator coach. I'm not going to say that only because I think that that's what he was when he was in Denver, and he is to me, and it's just me, and obviously I'm not in the meeting room, I'm not there on the practice field. I'm not doing any of that. so you know, not again, not making excuses. Uh, maybe a player can come on the radio and say, "Yeah, you know what? This guy is this way or that, the way and the other." I, I've, I have not seen it. I have not heard that. So until someone tells me that, I'm not going to go ahead and label them that. But I understand what you're saying, and I don't think in 2022 you could be that guy. I would agree with you 100%. 2.56 is the time. Again, we're at Allegiant Stadium. Coming up next, we kick off hour number two of the show. Appreciate the text. Keep those coming in. John McClain, galleriesports.com, and Sports Radio 610. He'll join the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.